All right, welcome to Old Town New World. We are back at Millstone Pizza, back and bad and awesome, and uh, we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. I'm Jason Broadwater. I'm Big Bad Chris Trevay. <laughs> <laughs> and we will now play music for your enjoyment. Okay, so today on our show, we are back at Millstone Pizza. You can probably hear the ambiance, uh, the music, the glasses clanking. The pizza coming together. Today we have with us, of course, the ever vocal Silent Micah. Hello, Micah. Well said, friend, well said. And um, we also have our uh, good-looking, well-dressed, well-shirted Chris Gervais. Mm, thanks for having me. Again. I'm thanks, I'm thanks to me for having me. <laughs> and we have a, a dear friend of mine from way back, uh, Patterson Brown. Welcome, Patterson. Thank you very much. It's good to have you on the show. Well, it's a pleasure being here. I really appreciate y'all having me on. Absolutely. And you, uh, I love your red shirt. You look nice. Hey, thanks very much. I've actually had this shirt for about three or four years now. Yeah, I've gotten a lot, lot of work out of it. Yeah, yeah, we, the way yeah. we let's let's be honest. We asked him to bring the shirt with all the with the red shirt. We did. Tell us the stories of how it's you know all those three years. It's three years of stories. So. <laughs> three years of stories in yeah. this shirt. Yeah, right. So um, before he owned the shirt, no. Um, so Patterson uh, and I have been friends since we were children, and. Uh, went to the same school together and all this and um, then life took us in our separate separate paths and then we got back together recently been hanging out and um, Patterson's been through all kinds of adventures and right now Patterson you work for the federal government is that, that correct that's right tell us what you do what's your job title official so I work at the US Agency for International Development which is an agency of the federal government we do humanitarian assistance and development work a lot of it around health um, so you know kind of think of feeding starving babies and handing out pills and health clinics and you know that's the sort of majority of it and that's in the that's not in the US though that's right it's in uh, developing countries poorer countries of the world I know I know a guy that hands out pills is really? that the same kind of job yeah. <laughs> so I've never been in that part of the agency but um, I would actually probably be pretty pretty good at that but um, my actual title is trade investment and governance advisor okay and these are these are mostly uh, African nations that you work with well yeah for the moment uh, that's the the region that I generally work in is sub-saharan Africa sub-saharan Africa so so explain a little bit about the geography of Africa for you know people not like me but other people that might not know I am also Africa. learned oh yes thank you <laughs> <laughs> so tell us kind of what's going on in Africa in general well, in general, there's a lot more. Uh, it's it's been a decade of big economic growth for them, which is an area I work in is economic development, and so it's been a a, a decade of, of big um, economic growth in the subcontinent, and a lot more, relatively speaking, a lot more political, social stability. That's funny because you know it's like we hear these stories about just awful genocide and stuff, and it seems to be the presiding story for Americans to think as we kind of one-dimensionalize the rest of the world it seems like genocide is what we pin on Africa you know and we and I would say and we always have we have for a very long time and I think it's the inclination to always assume 
Well, it's probably worse now than it, it's always getting worse. Like we always right, we, right. we we think this plate we identify it in this way, and we always assume it gets worse. You know. Huh. So it's interesting that it's getting better. Yeah, most definitely, it, it, it really is. Um, so that's been really exciting, um, and you know, personally beneficial given that that's where I work and good things are happening. So there's an association. So do you help? So you help those countries uh, with their population to stabilize things, help from a health perspective. Uh, no, actually, that was a little bit of an aberration. What I work on is economic policy. Okay. So it's generally it can be country-level economic policy, so just sort of domestic investment climate stuff, the kind of stuff y'all talk about. Um, it can be related to the region. There's effort to have more regional economic integration. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, those, it's those policies. I'm a trade policy specialist, so that's my specialization, so I tend to focus a bit more on that. But really, there's such a linkage with trade policy and domestic sort of market uh, policy that you kind of you can't have it's kind of like policy in general like you can't have just policy like that won't work you have to have policy and other things happening with it you know so it's not just policy change and so that's also I think why policy change kind of gets a little bit of a bad rap sometimes because politicians like to say oh we changed this policy you know everything's gonna start working better so but policy not really. is, a, is a rule or a law or like what is a policy? Yeah, I mean I think it yeah it can be a lot of different things um, which is why I like it it's kind of like cloudy and nebulous yeah. so which I like working in the gray areas and <laughs> the gray zones but it can be kind of you know essentially it sets the frame for you know legislation regulations etc so like locally let's say it's a creative parallel like I'm thinking about Rock Hill so like I've heard of a, a cool phrase that is um, uh, architects don't design buildings, uh, building co uh, zoning codes do. Right. So is that an example of policy? Like the zoning code determines how something can be built and where it can be built. Is that a policy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good example. So you're at the level of trying to des help design policies or help them design policies that are going to eventually have significant long-term impact for those countries. That's right, for those markets and economies. Okay. Yeah. And it's, is it, I mean, maybe I'm cynical here, but is it kind of always from the purview of like, well, success is that they interact with our system successfully? I mean, is that basically what success is? Well, I mean, I think at, at the heart of it, you know, is kind of, kind of what I see is that there's no harm in having more than one beneficiary, you know, and that's kind of the story to me of economic development, which is essentially public-private partnership, and it's a partnership, and so absolutely it benefits us. If their markets are working better, we can export there more easily, we can invest there more easily, we get, we get returns from that, but they get great returns and benefits from that as well. So, you know, I, I think, you know, kind of moving out of the, like, the zero-sum game, which is kind of how people come to it a lot of times, is like, oh, well, what are we getting out of it? Or why are you helping them and not us? But actually, it's mutually beneficial. So is there cultural differences? I mean, obviously, there's cultural differences with the people you're dealing with in Africa versus people you're dealing with in the United States. And in terms of the zero-sum game thing, are they, are they more inclined to see a zero-sum game than the U.S. people, or both people think that way? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I really understand you, actually. So, like, culturally, um, are they, are, are the, the people on the U.S. side that you're dealing with, because if you're brokering between between the two, right, you're brokering between the U.S. and 
the economy's there to come up with a policy that suits both sides. Is that right? Well, it's kind of a little bit both because I'm based in Washington. And so, you know, most of our staff is out in these countries, you know, and so that's where decisions are ultimately made because, you know, you want to have buy-in from the government, from the local constituencies, public sector, civil society, et cetera, or else that won't work, right? So they know what those things are because they're being told those things on the ground and then, you know, I support them. So there's also an aspect of U.S. policy that I engage with also, particularly on trade, and so try to influence, uh, you know, U.S. policy. Um, you know, but again, it's it's not it's not a super hard argument actually in terms of, you know, the kind of technical cerebral argument is pretty easy to digest. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, do you go there a lot? Yes, frequently. So, what countries do you usually go to? Uh, Generally, uh, I would say I go to uh, Ethiopia a fair amount, Ghana a lot, um, South Africa pretty frequently, um, you know, and some others. There's a handful of others that I go to sometimes, you know, Mozambique, Zambia, Senegal, Kenya. It sounds um, so exotic to me because I'm inexperienced in traveling that part of the world. It sounds like you're in these places. Like I imagine these things on TV. I'm one-dimensionalizing again the whole experience. Do you use a bullwhip to, to fly across walls and stuff and like, like you know, and oh, yeah. Like you're thinking Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Oh, are you Indiana Jones? Yeah, no, no, <laughs> definitely. You know. <laughs> you know. Exotic places that have such radically different cultures that you're like have this incredible challenge of like like they don't see the world anyway near the way you see it. I mean, am I surely I'm exaggerating that in my mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you, and and yeah, there's always that that cultural bridge, right? I mean, and 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 things happen in a different way. I think that's a lot of it too, and a lot of things that I know y'all deal with in terms of how processes and decisions come about, and it's quite different, you know, in terms of you know, the sort of American way of kind of front-ending decision-making and like pushing and uh, at least from my experience, my personal experience has been much more of a sort of collaborative, organic type of process there. Um, and, and so it just has a kind of different cadence to it, you know what I mean? But you've also talked about some real negatives in these other parts of the world to me. Like you were telling me how difficult it is to hire people and start a business and stuff. Well, that's true, and that's one of the, you know, that's the type of thing that, you know, we try to help them with. You know, when they're interested in attracting more investment, you know, we can help them bring in some evidence, bring in some of the stakeholders, try to facilitate, you know, identifying what those barriers are. You know, what is it that's keeping you from coming in and making an investment here or you know, the investment that leads to, you know, exporting dried mangoes out of your country or whatever it is, you know. So it's, it's, it's very similar, uh, again, to, you know, your, some of what y'all are talking about, you know, in some of your other podcasts. Well, you know, you talk about, um, I think you said even in Europe in some places where you have to put down money in advance to hire somebody, like, what was it you were saying? Like you have to put yeah. down like a year or two years salary or something like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that one of the things, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, I mean, you know, the short of it is, is that there are, you know, these different business climates 
and there are certain barriers that are going to be there, right? right? And you know, I don't, I don't know that. I, I, you know, sometimes I don't really know, but it seems to me that the general populace doesn't have a great appreciation for how good our system is. Right. Not only the governance is extremely strong, and it's extremely private sector friendly. And I think we have much more we can do. You know what I mean? But when you look at some of even some of our yeah European counterparts, it's 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 much much uh, longer, say, to you know register a property. You know, nearly 400 days in France, whereas here it's about 10. I mean, I couldn't imagine if I was going to hire an employee. Like Revenflow, we have nine people at Revenflow. To hire, to have to put down, to put two years' salary in the bank to be able to hire that employee. I, there's no, I don't know if I would have ever been able to hire any of the people that I've hired the whole time. I mean, I, I think the other, the, the other big thing is that it's not just pay, it's also health and benefits. Which you know, I I could get I could digress on labor laws and stuff, but I one thing that I don't like about this country, and I don't know about other countries, so if we have it better than them, then fine, then I can appreciate that. But I think that there's a hangover from the so so like when labor laws and all that came into existence, it was necessary for the government to protect the worker from the employer. And that was made a lot of sense because yeah. the employer was employing like children to like you know okay. shine the inside of bullet casings with their right. fingers. Yeah, I mean yeah. you know like, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, like sharecroppers. And yeah, stuff. right. Yeah. So so the government got involved to protect the employee from the employer. Now, but now you fast forward to today and you look at like Revenflow, and the nine of us are in there busting our ass. And the fact that the government thinks that I am trying to destroy them and that they have yeah. to protect them from me, it's like. That whole perspective is out of date, man. It's off kilter. And when they release laws and stuff, it's always from that perspective. But, yeah. But are we necessarily in a place where that's so widely true that it's time to, you know what I mean? It's like, I can question. tell you that I would have worked in retail through most of my 20s and, like, that was still necessary there, you know? Right, yeah. They did, at, at no point did I get the impression that the people who employed me cared about my well being, you know? Right, no, that's a good point, man. That's a good point. I mean, I. Do you see that playing out in all over the world, or? Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a good point, and I think it, it is important to think about all the different you know sectors that are out there. And the, the fact is is that you know your employees tell me a lot of like nightmare horror stories about your management, but I tend to think that you're a very good. I tend to think that you're a very good employer, you know, and and. and I, the majority, the majority of employers are because there's also a labor market, right? You got to retain, you want right, to attract, right. you know, so there's that dynamic. And so you have that naturally sort of occurring, but it, it does take time. You know, there's a lag because there's a lot of, you know, either fighting for interests, you know, you're the party that fights for this or the party that fights for that, or, you know, you're worried because you made a big play on the town center mall and now you're like, Jason's <laughs> talking to you about all these other ideas. And so there's just like, whoa, 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 so, you know, slow down. Like we, we got to really, you know, think about this. Yeah. I have a question. All right. Um, so earlier you said, uh, you know, you, policy doesn't make change and that, that comes up a lot. And that's true. Like, Policy doesn't actually change things, like culture, because you've said, what's the quote, that policy eats culture for breakfast, or well, culture eats policy for breakfast? Culture eats, yeah, process for policy Process, for yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same kind of thing, process, policy. Thing, yeah. And you said, you know, that it doesn't take that. Do you have any kind of mm -hmm. insights? Like, what really, 
changes a culture and behavior yeah. besides policy. Because I mean, that's that's mm -hmm. the most like hard-nosed way to do it. Yeah. And that's that's like such a big question. I don't expect you to be able to answer because yeah. if you did, that's like the big golden question. You know? well, How do you save the world? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think that that's the. Is the, you're getting at one reason why I like working in this field, which is that there's, there's, you know, sort of the, the, the mantra with a lot of the economic development work that I do is that there's no silver bullet, right? Yeah. There's no one thing, you know, and even if there is a one thing, which sometimes there is, then, you know, <clears throat> it's going to be a bit different, you know, in every context. And so you have to really take that lo local context into, into perspective. And, you know, for me, I work on more, you know, obviously, as I'm describing it, macro market types of things. But, you know, one of the things you were talking about at one point, Jason, on a separate, you know, as, it, before our podcast, just for your listeners out there, <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs> we were talking about the different podcasts. And I, I obviously, uh, it may be obvious anyway, that I gravitate towards the economic development discussions and so one of the things you've talked about in those is hyper localism or something to that effect and you know I think that that's a really interesting window into all of this mm -hmm. because it's you know you, you actually don't need to look beyond here like you know the dynamics that are happening here you know with with Tim Elliott I think it was you know with the bleachery you know what's what's that one thing you know yeah. it, it could be that it's one policy or it could be that it's one you know, effort or one spending line of $20,000 or whatever it is that is like, okay, that, that was actually the only barrier I saw because this is super attractive to me, True. you know? And so, all right, he's in, but you know, it depends. And some of them are more longer term and they're more of a, an effort to change perception and mentality, which is kind of the, the denominator. Mm -hmm. So you've got all these smaller things, kind of like you were talking about your workflow. It's like, well, there's kind of like, yeah, these core common denominators we're working on. We're trying to change the sort of culture, the way of thinking about policy, about how to, you know, generate a sort of, you know, innovative, dynamic economic activity. But then there's all these little things like Tim Elliott, you know, and, and, and like, uh, you know, those sorts of things happening that you're trying to facilitate, which contribute to that and, and sort of help build into that because you're building that, you know, super big time ownership you know obviously you know the the sidewalk development is i think you know i mean you know there's big time ownership there you know they're they're really buying in and you know you you want more people and stories like that because it fortifies what you're trying to do it's like you know what actually here's a great example you know tim elliott meet tim elliott let him just let him talk to you about the whole process and you know it's amazing how much the storytelling is a, is an incredibly critical component because reality is like a it flows from perception so like we've been down here working on downtown and the majority of rock hill kept repeating the same thing as people tend to do oh they've been working on that for years oh hell nothing ever happened down there oh and then some guy comes to town who's never heard that story yeah. that nothing ever happens and he comes down here and he looks around and he goes oh my god man this is really yeah. happening and then we tell him a different story we say oh well we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this and he's like well holy crap, I'm going to put together $100 million of investment and bring it into the downtown, yeah. you know, because that's a compelling story. And now his story about what he's building is now convincing the local people that, that it really is happening. But there's nothing like a guy flying in from out of town with a suitcase 
to convince everybody yeah. that yeah. things are different, you know? No, that's very, very true. I mean, it's. I guess that's sort of what that comes down to is to change perspective and to whatever you can do to nudge. Like, I mean, that's happening in Rock Hill, you know? Like, I think without question, whenever someone comes here that's never been here uh, to I meet them for lunch or whatever, they're always, like, super impressed with Rock Hill. Yeah. And they just, they're just like, what is this? This is this little gem here. This is awesome. But everyone I know that's from here and grew up here, they they were, they were won't let go of the fact that it's, it's Rock Hill. Yeah, it's, it's lame. Yeah, it's yeah. lame. It's yeah. Rock Hill, you know? I mean, Patterson, how do you yeah. feel, man, going away when you were 17 or whatever yeah. and coming back here now? I mean, what does it feel like? Well, I mean, I want to start out by saying I've always been really, really proud to be from Fort Mill instead of Rock Hill. I just want to point that out. Um, but uh, that said, my grandfather was an attorney and he had an office on Black Street, on East Black Street, right over here. And so I spent a lot of school afternoons being like pre-drifter stage. I was yeah. like a middle school drifter, you know, like hanging out there, like nip cheek coke, and then like floating to town yeah. center. Yeah, yeah, chocolate chip bar cookie, a little you know, Gorf, little like arcade, and so it's pretty. It really is pretty incredible, though. Even you know, y'all know I was here in the summer or whatever. It's you know, before I came up to the office, I was just walking around, you know, just checking it out. It's really it's super impressive. But I think to your point, it's it's really a lot about yeah, this is great, but we have to. Th- come together and think about the bigger vision because it's actually much, much larger than this. You know, Tim Elliott's just like the one sort of like entry point that, you know, can be, like you say, brought forward, but really to, to, to think about it in a much, much bigger context, you know, like you're doing with, uh, you know, some of the writing you've done about economic development of Rock Hill. For the whole city. city. And see, the thing is, man, back to your point about how people see it as a zero-sum game, unfortunately, people compartmentalize the city and say, oh, you're spending money, quote, over in the downtown. And instead of, you're investing in Rock Hill being a successful economy, and that's going to help everybody in Rock Hill. You know, they see it as like that place over there versus this place over here. You know, and that's, we still battle that and fight that. But I guess it's not, some of it's generational, but some of it's just... I think there's people of any generation, there's people that see the glass half empty, people see it half full, True, there's yeah. people that see a zero-sum game, people that see a more is more for everybody, and that's just the way it is. You know? Yeah, speaking of which, and, and I don't want to get you know too much into this rabbit hole, but it's like you were, you were with doing what you do for a living, and we're told so as individuals that our worldview is totally given to us through the internet, and our little internet perspective has told us that we're all putting up walls and that there's this globalization is a big fear and that people are they don't want that connection to other parts of the world and people are scared and they're sort of drawn up brexit for example right like brexit and what's you know our great big thing that's happening here yeah um and uh like is that a story we're hearing do you is that actually what it feels like out there you know and wherever you're going in africa and stuff like that yeah i mean i think it has a huge impact i mean i i I guess there are uh, a couple of a couple of things that come to mind, but I think in terms of what we were just talking about, that's the kind of to me the interesting aspect of engaging more with Jason and with y'all and what you're doing in terms of economic development work. It actually is it actually is a mirror of you know working at a country level. You know that it's essentially the same. You know you're trying to 
convince people to change how they're spending money. And they're very worried about it because they've just been elected. And so, you know, every politician knows exactly what needs to happen, but they don't know how to do that and get reelected. So they're like, they're super worried about it. They might be trying to help their own group or whatever. But, you know, it's it's hard to change that mentality. You know is a good policy? When they tell it like it is. Oh, yeah. That's what you do. Just yeah. tell it like yeah. it yeah. is. Yeah, tell it like it is. That's the way you do it. You just yeah. say what it is. You know, the, the, you know obviously the U.S. is, is a huge... Uh, uh, sorry for the choice of words. Uh, you know, leader and has a big impact on world order on what's happening in the world we're obviously a huge marketplace people want to engage with us for a variety of reasons we have great universities we have a really open you know things like google happen here which was non-americans by the way you know purely non-americans just emphasize that so yeah i mean i think there's a real it, it it's it's the kind of i think unfortunately it's kind of fallen off the knowledge about our system vis-a-vis other systems, the knowledge about how much we benefit from, you know, obviously trade's a big target right now. It's always very political, so trade people are very used to it. And it's very technical, so it's very confusing, right. which is why we, we, we build it that way. So there's a, hu- there's a huge amount of benefit. I mean, our economy benefits so greatly. Everyone benefits so greatly from engaging with the rest of the world. How much do, do base things like racism and uh, just xenophobia get in the way of like completely logical economic arguments do you fi- are you always like up against just people that are just freaking prejudiced you know what I mean people people that are upset that the ghostbusters are girls <laughs> but maybe not that example. <laughs> that, that, that was pretty good Chris I, I wasn't thinking of that um, yeah I mean you mean in terms of U.S. constituencies? Or like anywhere you go. Is, is the U.S. Yeah. alone in that? I mean, like, isn't, isn't some of Brexit about just good old U.K. folk that are prejudiced against or xenophobic in a way? I mean, isn't some of that about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see, it's not, it's not just happening uh, here. It's happening certainly in Europe. It's happening in um, Middle East, which is a politically correct person I call Southwest Asia. So... The reality is that I, know, I just bad. learned that. Wow, that's. I've been infuriating people every day. <laughs> I had no idea. I'm gonna take down all those blog posts I wrote. No, Actually, I've yeah, that was a professor of mine in college, so no one's ever picked that up. But yeah, I mean, I think the short of it is, is that there is a lot of that. There's a lot of fear, a lot of like retraction, and there's a lot of uh, uh, forgetfulness that the Great Depression was greatly caused and certainly at the very least greatly exacerbated by tariffs, trade tariffs, import tariffs that went up all over the world. Uh, here, a big, a famous bill called Smoot-Hawley, but it exacerbates all of the economic difficulties that are happening. It stops the movement of things from where there's tons of them to where there's not any of them, which is a lot of what I work on in Sub-Saharan Africa in terms of food, you know, where there's a lot of commodities, where there's just not no food whatsoever. And so how do you move, you know, how do you get those things moving? But, um, you know, it, it depends on where you're going. The, the bottom line is with the, the, the governments in Sub-Saharan Africa, the, the constituencies, the industry associations, the civil society, 
they are super, super interested in U.S. investment. I mean, I guess so. I mean, because it is the center stage of the world. I mean, with an economy that's over four times as big as the next economy, which is Japan. I mean, or, or over, excuse me, it's as big as the next four economies. It's bigger than that. You know, it's just, obviously, it's absolute center stage. And, you know, we dominate all the oceans of the world. We dominate, we, we have our eye on every military movement and action in the world. We basically, the United States basically controls the world. I think I mean, we dominate them within like surfing and jet skis. And surfing and jet skis. And, like, and, and you know, there's people that like say, well, we don't care what the United States says, but they often marginalize themselves, you know, in, in, in doing so, you know, just because they, they kind of step out of the biggest economic game in town, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly part of it. I don't, I don't know that I get on board with all that. I like that. The, I like the point on the, the jet skis and the wave runners. We're yeah. also, we're number we're, one. Right, we are number one. <laughs> we are number one, and you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I, it's, I'm just a sort of natural patriot, you know, to be honest, and 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 it's only been more and more confirmed everywhere I go, you know, that just in terms of our system, you know, again and how it works. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, the the reality is, is you also have to take into account that there was there's the legacy of colonialism you know and so the european companies generally speaking european multinationals have big footholds in these countries because you know it was british rule or you know french rule etc and we're kind of we're a little bit of an outsider and people view us as as to be honest one of the big things is that they view us as honest brokers as as people that do straight ahead honest deals that do what they say they're going to do that don't try to like come up with some like end around or surreptitious behavior or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Because I know it's an ethic that I was brought up with as a, you know, kind of son of an entrepreneur, brother of an entrepreneur, and entrepreneur myself. Like that. That's what it's all about. Like I was born and taught always. The number one thing you do is you say what you're going to do and then you do what you said you're going to do. That's yeah, what you do. Yeah, literally, that's my dad. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. why I was with the exact same words. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's only as good as his word. Yeah, yeah, I heard that exactly. a thousand times right. growing up. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. That's a positive thing, I would say. Yeah, it's, it's hugely positive and it's a huge advantage for us. And I think there's a, there's a, there's an, a, a sort of, you know, direct or kind of contemplated effort to... To, to get U.S. companies, you know, into these markets, they're they're fast growing. They're really good, sort of like, you know, diversification at the very least of what companies are doing in terms of investing for future supply and so forth. And you know, there's there's great opportunity there, and, and U.S. companies are viewed very favorably. Well, the the best thing. Cool. I wear a t-shirt. I wear a Ravenflow t-shirt. I'm Sorry. I'm glad you have the t-shirt. I'm gonna get a new t-shirt made. Yeah, you t-shirt. You need to put like the you know long e mark over it. That would make it Ravenflow. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, like Ravenflow. Well, you know what? Everybody in our group, I think, says Ravenflow. Just like you know, I know. I don't listen to them. Yeah. Well, but you gotta do you gotta do this campaign we were talking about. Like, yeah. I'm like, hey guys, I know we're here to have a good time. I know we're cooking burgers, but I want to talk to you about how you say the name. You know what it is? You know where it comes from? Is the, uh, what is it? The, the Reven dollars, the Reven dollars, the, you know, the, remember you were on that for a while? Like the credits, the Reven, I don't know, I remember what it was. You, you, when you tried to establish your own currency, yeah, you don't right. remember that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reven bucks? <laughs> yes. 
when I had like a thousand mill workers and they used my currency (laughs) and lived in homes that I built and rented them. I remember that. Well, somebody's got to innovate on top of the Bitcoin, right? So so let me ask you a question. Is there an opportunity? So what I love about the internet is the point-to-point connectivity. Same thing with cell phones. Everything is about point-to-point connectivity. Um, you know, there, aside from you know fake news and everything it's all about right now, but before the internet, there were like five corporations that owned pretty much all the news in the Western Hemisphere. You know, like and, and the internet totally exploded that, blew that up, right? All this point-to-point stuff. And it's done such a good job. I know, such a, a stellar job. The point is, though, is this, <laughs> is this point-to-point connectivity piece. So, like, is there a way to have a global economy, and maybe it's already there, to some, I think it is already there to some extent, but where instead of some local person in, you know, Ghana goes through the the government in Ghana to get to the trade organization that goes through the United States government, which goes to South Carolina through Nikki Haley, which ends up in Rock Hill. Is there a way for like Revenflow to do business with somebody in Ghana and we don't go, we do point to point. We don't go through all the bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And I and I think that that's a really, you know, it's a great thought. You know, as, as, as we've talked about before, I mean, I think it's, it's when you're looking at it from your perspective, which is uh, you know, and these are all assumptions, of course, based you know on the macro policy guy speaking. Of. So, but my assumption is is that you know you're going into it looking at where the lowest risk is. Is it is it is it riskier for you to engage with someone in the state of Iowa or Ghana? And so every time you're going to go Iowa. And you know what? In fact, when I used to um, those Iowans, man, you can't you can't trust. Actually, I just want to say that it's a very innovative economy there, and it's a beautiful state. I've actually been there the myself. Iowans. Yeah, right. The, the city of Iowa City is really a lot of fun. But the the short of it is, is that um, you know, I, I, when when I used to counsel one one of my jobs back when was advising U.S. companies on foreign country customs regulations rules laws etc and so i get i get lots of like really like you know just like put down you know the the sort of like narcotics turn on turn back on cartoon network and just like really just walk away from this conversation (laughs) but really the base thing is that you know, okay, I'm a auto parts maker in, you know, uh, Paducahville. Paducahville, thank you. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Bamberg, but anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're splitting hairs. <laughs> and I wanna and I wanna go international. Yeah. Well, are you, you know, selling in Michigan? Are you selling in California? You know, have you saturated the domestic market because there's no barriers there, right. zero, okay. zero barriers. Risk and people are happy to give you money to, to try and do those things. You know, are you secondly in Canada, which is basically kind of like a state? I mean, they don't want to say it, but. <laughs> and then, are you in Mexico? You you see what I mean? So there's there's building blocks that people really forget about, but there's a reason that those companies have built up. You know, it, I, I really have never bought into it, but a lot of people say all businesses start small. And there is some truth in that. And so you, you, you can't, you know, taking on a, think about it. I mean, taking on a project in Ghana, could you do it? Absolutely, absolutely. Would there be barriers? Probably a lot less since y'all are internet based. 
you know, but there's still like there's currency fluctuations. There's there's all sorts of things you have to take. What do I do? I mean, contract enforcement is quite difficult there. That's a good example. Yeah. Obviously, well, you go to Ghana. You go to Ghana, and you get your money. <laughs> right. Because yeah. a man is only as good as his word. Right, yeah. I, I, you know, I think it's actually he picked that for a reason because he knows I travel there. So he's like, well, Paris will just go yeah, shake him down. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Just shake him down. Yeah. 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 Right. You go I'll, harass I'll, these people. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go there for Revan Flow. Yeah. Well said. Well played. You see a guy with a hat? Yeah. <laughs> a guy named Tommy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Patterson, it's always a pleasure to have you in town. It's always a pleasure to hang out. Um, it's fascinating to learn about what you do. You know, it's easy to, um, while your point's well taken that uh, growth and opportunity, you can kind of work concentrically out from where you are and, to, and, and experience least risk. There's a romantic quality about like going out and touching parts of the world and cultures and economies and stuff. It's just exciting, you know? So I think about what you do as being an exciting, exciting thing. No, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it is exciting, and I get equally um, excited about learning more about the processes, the things that are happening here, um, about when I hear, you know, Tim talk about other sidewalk development stuff, or, was it Pauline, sorry? Yeah, yeah. You know, from Spin, you know? You know, that's really exciting and I get really, you know, feeling energetic about it and I and I think it's really interesting to think about the the sort of, you know, parallels there, yeah. you know, and, and there really are a lot and it's it's really interesting and it, you should never feel like you, you know, shouldn't take on new markets and new marketplaces, but I do think, you know, when you really look at it, there, you know, it's it's a different equation, that's all. And so you don't want it to be a huge percentage you know just like anything else um, we, we picked up a client actually in California and um, it's a hospital and we're doing a significantly large project for him but the only reason we're doing it is because she was the COO of the local hospital and we were working with them she moves out there to be the CEO of that hospital and calls us up and says we need your help well it's only because we did an excellent job for them locally that she goes out there and says I gotta call Jason I need their help and that's great. We would have never been successful to say, you know what, guys, let's go and start yeah. marketing ourselves cold in California. Call, yeah. yeah, and start cold calling Orange County, see yeah. if we can pick up the hospital. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It was just because we excelled locally that it happened to open up kind of a, a long distance, you know, something that we can do. Now, now that we're doing that, and once we serve them exceptionally well, there's no reason why we can't serve hospitals all over the country. Because we've served one that's about as far as you can get from us as possible yeah. in Orange County, California. I on a personal level, anything like good and positive that's happened in my life has been because I invested in whatever like I had access to and was like close to me and it, and it branched out from there. Honestly, yeah. anything good that's ever happened to me, I invested where I was and, and, and what I had, you know? Yeah, it's such a lesson in life. We, we look externally and think there's something out there that's going to change us and make us better and solve our problems when really we got all this stuff right here we can kick ass on. And it leads to other things, you know. And so now, if we start marketing to hospitals all over the country, let's say we pick up hospitals all over the country, then we can say, hey, we could do uh, work with healthcare organizations in Africa. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And I think, you know, that's one of the things about, like, policy processes is getting people out of their own space and comfort zone, which is kind of difficult. But why is, I, I always come back to, I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about like tech culture and all that innovation and everything. I mean, obviously great, wonderful stuff, fellas. But 
the, the reality is that, you know, you look at, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna bring it up again. I've listened to this podcast like three or four times. I want y'all to know it's with Tim Elliott. Yeah, and with okay. it, 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 it's, a, it's amazing because it hits on a number of things, which is connectivity with Charlotte, which is critical. And, you know, you're talking about the infrastructure and the rail and so forth. And, you know, the reality is, is there's huge growth in Charlotte. There's people coming in like us. They've got aging parents. And they're looking for something close by, healthcare services, huge growth industry. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's like it's a little bit about again the evidence and like actually I hear you on the Portland, Portlandia, and the, the, all that. But the reality is is that this is a huge opportunity for us right here. There's already things happening, and the evidence is there. The demographics. There's what we see from the last census. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is. You know, Professor Ulrich knows more than I do. But you know what I'm saying, like. I mean, it just seems to me it's like those are like those are the drivers. Those are the drivers. We all have a ton of ideas, all of us. You know, I've got a ton of ideas about what could happen here, which way it should go. Obviously, healthcare I'm promoting, but you know, I think once you get constituencies involved, once you start talking to those people that 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 want to invest, you start lowering those barriers. You know, it, it stuff starts surfacing, and then it's then it's obvious to everyone, you know, then, it, then, then you're, you know, you start growing here and then, you know, you do have a story to tell and you have a story to tell here, you know, in terms of what's happened, but it's gotta be, you know, it's gotta be much larger because the reality is, is like y'all were talking about with, with Stefan, things like, you know, Hey, what about a bluegrass festival? Like it's a no brainer, man. Like yeah. we could, we could totally do that here. And that draws people down here. You got a little map on the brochure or the handout with all the different businesses and so forth. You can get there easily, whatever. You know, it's like, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, you can do here. You know what I mean? And like, that's a service essentially for, I got an idea for a boat and flames shoot out the back, but you know, nobody's listening. What I like is actually a flame based, like one of those parasail, like somehow flames and parasail. Yeah. I like that. You know, we romanticize like the musicians that became famous that we love, and what we romanticize about them is not their uh, their wealthy days when they're kind of back on their heels. We romanticize those tough years yeah. where they were doing it. Well, they had no guarantee they were going to be the big thing. They were romanticizing the prior big thing to them, and I romanticize Florence, Italy, and going to Italy and all this. The truth is, we're building Florence right here. Like the, the Florence that I romanticized didn't know that it was going to be the world's uh, bar of excellence in, in creative culture. It had no yeah. idea, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was just doing it, you when, know? When Justin Bieber was slaving away in those basement shows. At those, in those, you, yeah, making those YouTube no money. videos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, making those YouTube videos, yeah. slaving away on those YouTube videos, yeah. yeah. Bieber, Bieber's a classic example. Yeah. Yeah. He put in his 10,000 hours of touring. Yeah, that guy earned it. He got that guy got it honest. <laughs> well, man, listen, Patterson, always a pleasure, brother. Likewise. Likewise, I really appreciate y'all having me here. I, I'm super excited about what y'all are doing. I do gloss over the other stuff, but I really like the the economic development stuff y'all are doing and the work that you're doing. And there's so many exciting things happen here, and and there's such a window opportunity here you know it's incredible and I hope that you know other people can kind of come around that vision and and really try to make it happen 
bring us the world's economy, my friend. We're we're ready for it. Yeah. 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 When you're when you got it and uh, bring it. If you need a truck or something yeah, to carry yeah. it here, or so I can arrange that. You write a, one of those giant checks. Yeah, if you want a big check oh, yeah. like that you carry. This yeah. is the yeah. world's money. I like that <laughs> idea, the, the Femcore check. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. With it. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, Chris, good job. Well done. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, Micah, I think that, you know, your, your points were very poignant. Some of them a little off-key. A little, a little aggressive. A little aggressive. Um, some of your humor is a little raunchy, but... <laughs> I do appreciate your wisdom, and thank you for that. Well, you want to end us on a um, kind of a secular prayer? Well said, my friend. That well was said. weirdly violent. <laughs> but but very sweet, in a way. Um, so anyway, I guess we'll see y'all guys next. Y'all guys. See y'all guys. We'll, we'll see, see y'all, y'all guys. guys down at the hee-haw. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys next week on Old Town, New World. Nice.